Clinician Insider is a bi-monthly series centering conversations within the clinical community that promote personal and professional growth. On this episode, Drs. Robert Ye and Eric Skaminski discuss the importance of mentorship to professional development. How things going with the meeting? Good, good. Yeah. It's been a busy uh, couple days, uh, really successful. It's been an honor to be here. Yeah. You know, I appreciate all the support getting here, so yeah, well, you know, it's nice to have a chance to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and the, the topic of conversation that, that you know, people want to hear about is, you know, you're doing so well now, you probably get asked this all the time, how did you first get into research and how did you go about finding mentorship? Yeah, you know, it's funny to look back on it now and it wasn't that long ago, but it feels strangely like it's been a couple years now. and. Um, I remember when it's I been showed, a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and I remember when I showed up in Boston from San Francisco, I was at UCSF Verizon, so I came to MGH for cardiology fellowship. And after my first year of spending time in the cath lab, I recognized I want to be an interventionalist. And I remember sitting back and exploring my research opportunities in Boston, which, you know, we're really lucky to have so many great um, opportunities, both within Mass General at the time and outside of it. And I looked around at some more established programs and looked at the mentorship tracks, looked at what the fellows were accomplishing, and they were all great opportunities, but what I recognized early on when I met you was the dedication to me um, as a person and my career development and not just this idea of here's your role, here's a paper you need to publish, these are the metrics to get through to the next phase, and then you're off on your own. And so that personalized mentorship, I got the feeling from right away with meeting with you, and it'd be great to hear how you felt about that when I approached you with the yeah. idea of working with you for a couple of years. Yeah, you know, that was, it was not that far into my career as like, as an attending, I would say. I'd probably been an attending for, what, maybe three, three years uh, when you came, or maybe four. So, you know, I think that when you're a junior attending and people are coming to you for mentorship, it's, it, you can be pretty insecure about that. You can wonder if I'm qualified to do it. Um, and you also wonder, but you're also approached by many, many people. So I think um, um, you, have to, you have to really pick the people who you're going to mentor because that mentorship is a commitment. That's a relationship. It's not like a one-off. It's not every six months I'm going to say hi and, and that'll be it. It's, it's a really, you're building a longitudinal relationship with someone where you're really invested in that person. And that person really needs to be invested in themselves and the process. Uh, and so for me, it was, it was clear within five minutes of talking to you that you were highly dedicated and ambitious, you had a track record, and you had a really good sense of what you wanted to do. Uh, I thought we had a good, uh, you know, personal chemistry right off the bat. Um, and, and I think it was clear that it was gonna work well, but at the same time, I, was, I knew that I wasn't senior enough at that point to sort of take this on on my own. And so that's why we involved, you know, someone more senior, you know, Laura Mori involved, uh, who was, had been my mentor too. And so we brought you into sort of the mentorship family. I don't yeah. know if you felt that at the time. No, it was such a strength to the opportunity that wasn't initially apparent. You know, I came to you thinking that it would be this one-on-one -on -one mentorship pathway, which would have been great also, but then to involve Laura Mori, who at the time had been working on the DAP study and had this whole extra component built into my research program was really an added benefit. And it takes care of those opportunities where, again, you need something to fill the gap when you're in the lab or, you know, when you need some guidance and there's two perspectives instead of one. So it really rounded out that mentorship pathway. 
Um, and you know, I think that powered me through two years of really uh, successful research track and into my interventional training where it continued. Um, I think, you know, again, you, you said that same thing I always think about is you have a lot of people come to you and how do you find, figure out how much bandwidth you have to mentor people. And yeah, and people are coming to you now. I mean, you're junior faculty now. You're in year two of being an attending. Um, probably feels like you've been an attending for longer than that at that point. <laughs> Starting to, um, I know. I, I, like, when I look at you, I see an attending. I don't even really remember, think of you as a, as a fellow. I think of you as a colleague and not necessarily even a mentee anymore. You're starting to trans make that transition to mentoring many residents and fellows who are coming your way. What's that experience been like and, and how have you been going about doing that? Well, it's funny, you know, I think the first thing is I reflect on, you know, we covered the two years I did research, but I did two years of interventional fellowship afterwards, as you know, and during that time you had transitioned from Mass General to Beth Israel to start the Smith Center for Outcomes Research and run the CTO and complex coronary system at, um, at Beth Israel. You know, and I think back that my priority at that time was after we had this relationship was how do I persist um, in my role as being Bobby's mentee and make that transition into faculty. And that just happened so naturally, which was really nice for us. Um, but now being in the role, I look at my mentees and the first thing is how do I get them to succeed and how do I do what Bobby did for me? And it's, it's tough when you're a junior. I mean, again, and I respect what you said when you were three years in when I approached you, you know, you're still developing your own name. And I think the most important thing that you did for me was prioritize me getting those, you know, when I had a paper, I did the interview, you know, with the news. When I had a paper, you emailed my program director and said, you know, look what Eric did. And, and so those are the type of um, learning, you know, points as a mentor that I picked up and I've been trying to apply to my fellows and residents who want to work with me, yeah. but. And we, we've had this conversation before, and I think you and I both agree that where mentorship often goes wrong is when somebody feels insecure. Yeah, absolutely. And when the mentor feels not secure about his or her position in the world and their academic status, they're not getting sufficient recognition to feel good about themselves, that's when I think bad mentorship things start to happen, like Absolutely. fighting over authorship position or not wanting to give a mentee who wrote 90% of the paper a first authorship yeah. or an interview with media. And I, I think, you know, we've been fortunate, um, and in part it's been built on generations of mentorship that, that we've had. I mean, yeah. we're part of a lineage of mentorship that really starts with people that we've never even directly worked with. Mm -hmm. Rick Kuntz mentored Laura Mori really effectively, and Laura became an excellent mentor. And Laura, Laura Dr. Mori mentored me, and I mentored you. You've worked with Laura. We both know Dr. Kuntz. I mean, I think that, and now you're mentoring people. We have these generations, and this family is built up in a way yeah. that everybody feels good, and everybody feels confident that ability to pass down credit where credit is due, and step aside, and I think, this PAD work that you're doing is just such a good example of how you've made that transition to becoming an independent leader, uh, nationally recognized for your work. And you know, my role in that is to really step back, I think, and to watch you do what you yeah, do. And that's hard to find. I mean, that's, there's not a lot of mentors who can do that. It's hard to pull yourself away a little bit from wanting to be on the front line. So it's a culture. I think that's really what it is that you and Laura and Rick and have developed and I've tried to continue. You know, and the biggest issue right now is this, that with trainees is the desire to publish. Yeah. And you know, I spend a lot of time when I meet with trainees and I do like a fellows talk at the beginning of the year is 
you know, a mentor-mentee relationship is not about the number of publications you get in a year. Yeah. You're building something exactly what we did, where the goal is to have a lasting relationship where your mentorship you know, leads to a job, whether it's at the same institution or another one, collaboration and continued work. And that doesn't happen because you published 100 papers in a year. It happens because you have trust, you have reliability, you have a focus on the quality of the work. And that is not always uh, in line with just the number of publications, as we yeah. all know. And yeah. I think that's a really important tenet in terms of mentorship right now is getting over that desire to publish and looking at other mentors, metrics of mentorship that um, show the strength of that bond, you know. Yeah, and what do, what do you say to people who maybe are struggling to find good mentors? You know, what, what, what's your advice to people who, who are maybe trying to decide between a couple or, or maybe they don't have access to, to, to people who are interested in what they're interested in? Yeah, the access is always an issue. And you know, my, my first approach to that, that conversation is, you don't have to do on your first project exactly what you want to be doing. So, you know, I get, I'm vascular and I get fellows who come to me who want to do structural, but they want to work with me. And I say, well, listen, you know, I don't do a lot of structural research right now. I know this vascular research isn't a clinical interest of yours, but we're going to learn something from it. We're going to learn how to use this data set. We're going to learn some statistical method. We're going to get you involved. And that's the first step. And yeah. so, you know, I think it's being open-minded to the idea that you can't necessarily always, and you shouldn't always want to match your mentor completely. You have to be open-minded to other opportunities. Yeah. And then you pave away. And exactly what I was able to do with PAD is I take what you taught me in the coronary space, and I take those same techniques and bring it in the basket world, and, and it's let me have my own parallel career with you. Yeah. And so, you know, but access is always a tough one, but there's always good mentors. And you walk around a conference like this, yeah. and you just get connected with these people who are doing amazing stuff all over the US and the world, and you know that you just have to, you know, reach out and find, you know, the right person that meets your yeah. requirements. Well, it's been, it's been amazing to watch you go and develop in your career, and. And I think I'm only looking more forward to what's going to come. No, I've been very appreciative, and I hope a lot of people can learn from this relationship. So Absolutely. We should run, but... Uh, All right, we got to go. Yep, yep. Okay. Great. Good talking to you. See ya. Thank you. Catch new episodes of Clinician Insider on the 15th and 30th of every month. Follow us on Twitter to join the conversation at Clinician Inside, and send us your topic suggestions at clinicianinsider at crf.org. Thanks for listening.